You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know, uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, 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 the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know, that crap like that. You know, all this stuff that's contaminated America where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring Little League anymore. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Yeah. Hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Breton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And man, oh man, do we got a great guest lined up for the show. We got Mike Morgan, ESPN, SEC Network announcer. He called the Mississippi State spring game. So I'm going to have him on. This is the first time we've had one of the ESPN, SEC Network announcers on the show. So I'm fired up about this. He's going to drop some knowledge on Mississippi State, what he learned about calling the spring game and you know, just a little bit about uh, what it's like being an SEC Network ESPN announcer. So really, really appreciative of Mike Morgan hopping on the line here. And that that's pretty much it for today's show. Slow day in the SEC. I do have a couple items I could hit on real quick. Not even worth really going around the league. But Mississippi State receiver Javonta Payton has entered the transfer portal. He had 19 catches last season. So... You know, not uh, the end of the world there. Javonta Payton is a good player, but I think in Mike Leach's system, they find receivers left and right. They're already starting to produce some young guys there last season, so not a huge loss there. Uh, Vanderbilt sophomore safety Donovan Kaufman, he has entered the transfer portal. Now, this could potentially be a pretty big blow to Vanderbilt because he Kaufman was a true freshman last year, started, and he played pretty well, 15 tackles. In the first two weeks of the season, he was also the kick returner, but he suffered a season-ending injury against LSU, and he was averaging 27.4 yards per return, which was the highest kick return average in the SEC. So, you know, maybe he'll return to Vanderbilt, maybe not, but just thought that was noteworthy. Tennessee, man, the uh, hits to the 2021 recruiting cycle keep on coming because they have released Katron Evans, four-star defensive tackle from his national letter of intent. He was a four-star defense alignment from Maryland. He was uh, one of the highest-rated prospects remaining in Tennessee's signing class. He is no longer headed to Tennessee. And that's pretty much it around the league. So, 
Hey, I'm not going to spiel on any longer. Let's get to our interview here with Mike Morgan, ESPN SEC Network announcer. I think you guys are really going to appreciate this one. Well, we're pleased now to be joined by ESPN and SEC Network announcer Mike Morgan. You can give him a follow at Morgan on Air on Twitter, and he's a Heisman voter, and he's the host of the J.C. and Morgan podcast with our buddy J.C. Sherbert. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. I really do appreciate it. Anytime, Michael. I appreciate the work that you do uh, with your handle on Twitter. I've been a follower for a while and, and love anybody that has a passion for for college sports, uh, particularly in the Southeastern Conference. Well, yeah, and I know you've been calling games for you know a long time, well over a decade. And you know, can you give the folks just a little bit of your background and just uh, you know how you got the the dream job that all of us you know college football fans wish we had. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, uh, for me, I, I get asked that a lot, and, and, and sometimes it's from people, you know, around the business like yourself, and sometimes people just from all walks of life, and I, I always am quick to say that this is something it's really hard to back into. I, I kind of knew what I wanted to do when I was 12 uh, and, and took a course and uh, a, a path, I should say, and, you know, Went to broadcasting school uh, at one SEC school uh, and then broadcasted minor league baseball and high school football in an SEC town, if you will, in Columbus, Georgia, and then broadcasted games on radio and uh, for the South Carolina Gamecocks and, and eventually started doing major league baseball for the Atlanta Braves, which which brought me to where I am now, Atlanta. And, you know, all that is just part of the journey. Um, and And throughout all of it, SEC football, basketball, and baseball, and I'm kind of juggling football and baseball as we speak, um, that's always been a big part of who I am, uh, a big part for my passion, and it's it's always been uh, some part of my job, and whether it's been radio or TV, uh, whether it's been in the state of Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, it, it's always been a big part of who I am and what I do. And kind of the, you know, the culmination of all that was I was already working for ESPN, but uh, when they launched the SEC network uh, six, seven years ago, it, it just was a natural fit. Um, you know, it, it's, I, it wasn't something I had to study up on or kind of parachute in from another part of the country um, it, it's just kind of in my DNA. So right now is, is it's my sweet spot uh, to be able to do the three sports that I love and to be able to do it in a league that I love, uh, is everything that I've kind of been, I guess, striving for and working for really for the last 20 years. Now you're coming off calling the uh, Mississippi state spring game. So I'm, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about Mississippi state here in just a second, but for the casual fan, you know, how much work goes into you know, I know spring game may be a little bit different, but how much work do you put in leading up to a game? Because I think some people just think, well, hell, I could jump on and, and just do what, what these guys do, and, and I know that's not the right. case. No, it's not. And you're right. I think a lot of people just assume, you know, you, you, you see this guy pop uh, pop up inside your your TV screen and uh, do his thing for three hours, and, and, and then he's off. And, uh, you know, really the, the – the devil's in the detail. Uh, in this case, I mean that in a good way. I actually enjoy the, the prep work. I, I love um, researching because I, no matter how much I know, and I feel like my knowledge 
of what I uh, of what I broadcast and my knowledge of the SEC is pretty strong. But you you always can find that extra nugget if you dig deep enough. Um, and and so for me, it's not as glamorous. But the, the time spent, hours upon hours on the internet, uh, talking with coaches, looking at film, all that is is pleasurable to me because it. it it's just stuff that I enjoy and am naturally interested in. It's stuff that I, even if I wasn't in this business, um, I would want to have access to and, and be able to kind of digest. So, you know, I, people ask all the time, like, what's the exact amount? I have no idea. And, and I've never been one who's interested in saying, well, well, I prep more hours than the other guy. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> some of us are able to digest that information quicker. Quite fr- frankly, I, I always joke to people that, you know, I can remember, uh, and have an incredible recall of a lot of things in sports and the games that I cover, but I can't tell you where I put my car keys an hour ago. So it's just <laughs> the way my brain works for better or for worse. So, but it's, you know, it's a fair amount of time. And like I said, it's, it's a labor of love. So I don't sit there and, and log the hours. Um, I, I just, uh, I, you never want to be caught off guard. You, you never want to be in a situation where, uh, you're, you're broadcasting a game and something comes up and you say, boy, I wish I knew the answer to that, but I didn't look at it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't dig deeper. I didn't ask that, that key question. Uh, most of us will tell you that we don't use half of what we've already prepared. Uh, I think the other mistake a lot of announcers make, and I don't just mean young ones, but veteran announcers sometimes you can tell, they want you to know how much research they did. So they shoehorn in, facts figures and stories where they don't fit and i think i think the the skill of a good announcer is to have a really keen uh, sense of where everything fits and what to use and what not to use and i think that's that's all comes with experience and having a feel for it but it's not a contest of how many factoids you can squeeze into a three-hour window now i've always wanted to ask in espn sec network announcer this question uh, do you ever get nervous going into a game my goodness I hope I know how to pronounce this guy's name and whether it's the the, <laughs> the Clemson quarterback that's coming up or we just call him two on this show because because uh, we can't even say his last name properly do you, you ever get nervous about that right you know I don't get nervous so much about pronunciations because that's usually one of the first things I hit right I mean we we usually have access to pronunciation guides I'll spell it out phonetically uh, on my boards and I'll, I'll feel pretty, pretty good about that. Um, you know, if, if you're nervous about anything, it's, it's about different things that can pop up that you don't expect. Uh, it, it's that, it's that play that is incredibly unusual. Maybe it's a, a, a an arcane rule or interpretation of a rule that you're not a thousand percent sure on, you know, those are the things that can trip even the best of announcers up. I mean, I don't care if it's Al Michaels, Joe Buck, Jim Nance, they've all fallen victim to that at one point or another. And it's not because they're not talented. It's not because they're not prepared. It's just because none of us are perfect. And we're doing live television completely unscripted. We don't know what's going to happen in the games. Uh, You prepare yourself for possibilities and probabilities, but you don't know for sure. So you, you really are just doing everything on the fly. And when that happens, uh, you, you just, you hope that you can be as accurate as possible and you don't, 
you don't find yourself in some type of quandary where you just get tripped up on a play. But like I said, I mean, that that's going to happen. And, you know, in terms of true nervousness, I always have uh, said and, and felt like I want to be a little bit nervous before that camera goes on every time out. I think that's a po- that's a good energy. It's a positive energy. Um, I don't want to get to the point where I've done this so many times where there's no nervous energy at all, uh, because then I think sometimes you can be a little bit flat and you can be a little bit uh, too subdued. So I don't mind a little bit of that nervous energy. I feel like there's uh, whether you want to call it uh, nerves or excitement or adrenaline or what have you. I think there's a little bit of all that as you, as you're about to go on the air. Um, it's, it's, it's always gratifying when you get done and you realized, okay, I just did whatever it is, two, three, four hours of live television, live radio, and none of it was scripted and it wasn't a thousand percent perfect, but it was pretty darn good. And you felt like you gave something to the viewer or the listener. That is the ultimate payback in our profession. When you feel like you've given something for the people out there watching and listening. And, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to get a lot of good feedback over the years from the people that count the most, and that's the people that are tuning in. And uh, whenever I hear that, uh, or they, they reference a call, they remember where they were on some call you made 10 years ago, five years ago, I can never get tired of that because it, it really makes me appreciate what we do. So you're fresh coming off the uh, Mississippi State spring game. Did you pick up anything interesting, uh, during you know the lead up to that game and any conversations you may have had with the coaching staff or in particular Mike Leach, anything that uh, maybe even you didn't get to use during the spring game? Well, I didn't get to use as many accolades for Will Rogers as I'd hoped because he didn't play a great game and really the offense as a whole. Mike Leach was was somewhat critical of his of his team. He thought they were a little bit flat coming out. And look, it's a spring game. It, it's the hardest thing to coach in a lot of ways. And I would say for us as broadcasters, it was Kelly Stauffer and I as a, a pros pro it's, it's hard for announcers because we can't pretend that there's a lot riding on the line, whether the maroon wins or the white wins, you know, it's, it's not life or death. You know, for five years, I did Carolina Panthers preseason football and we had massive numbers of people that tuned in because there's a lot of Panther fans, it's the NFL, and they want to find out who's going to win the quarterback battle, the wide receiver battle, the linebacker battle. Uh, But I couldn't, in good faith, pretend as if whether or not the the Panthers beat the Tampa Bay Bucks in a preseason game was a matter of life or death. So it's not the same amount of enthusiasm that I would have on a call. Well, same thing in a spring game when it comes to the players out there, you're going up against your own teammates. The score doesn't really matter. Uh, you, as a coach, you want a clean game. You obviously want no injuries. And they did have one to Jaden Wally, their stud receiver, who I think is going to be fine come the fall. But, but you, you want to have something that you can build upon. I think in year two of Mike Leach, who's one of the most fascinating coaches in terms of personality uh, that I've ever covered. I, I think he wants to go ahead now. You know, you, it's not to say that last year was a disaster. They won their bowl game. They were competitive against Ole Miss and Georgia. They blew out Missouri. But he wants to hit the reset button because a lot went wrong 
last year in year one. It was a terrible year to be a first-year coach during COVID. And then you have your, your star running back opt out, some would say quit, early on in the year. I think this year all that negativity is gone. And I think there's excitement about their weapons on offense. They're good enough on defense. Um, now, you know, when, when ESPN has a power ranking that somehow spits out Mississippi State at number eight in the country, that's not doing anybody any favors. They're not number eight in the country. Uh, the question is, are they number eight in the SEC? Are they good enough to be, you know, top four in the Western division, the toughest division in the country? That's what everybody's waiting on. But I, I know this. They're going to be able to move the ball. They're going to score some points this year. Um, Will Rogers, to me, reminds me of so many other Mike Leach-type quarterbacks. He's not a five-star guy. He doesn't have a cannon of an arm. He's not going to be a first, second, third-round draft pick. But he's smart. He's accurate. Uh, he knows the offense. He played it in high school. And he will he will give them what what they need, much like all those quarterbacks you saw at Texas Tech and Washington State, the overwhelming majority of which were not necessarily NFL guys. You combine that with receivers like Wally and Heath, two good backs and Marks and Johnson, and, and I think they're they're in good shape on offense. Defensively, they, you know, they lose Harold Thompson, who had over 300 career tackles, but I, I, I think there's good players on all three lines. I, I, I like Crumity on the D-line. I like Wheat and the linebacker. I love their secondary with Emmanuel Forbes. So at all three levels, uh, they've got some playmakers there. Does that mean they're going to contend to beat Alabama in the West? Of course not. But I, I do think Mississippi State is is not that far away from being a, a program, kind of like the, you know, the high-water mark years of Dan Mullen, where you routinely were winning seven, eight games, going to bowl games, beating Ole Miss at least 50% of the time that we know how big the egg bowl is around there. If you, if you do all that, I've always said that fan base in the sec is not only knowledgeable, but they're realistic. Uh, they don't, they, they don't sit there and complain. The sky is falling every time they lose a game to a top 10 team in their own league. They know who they are. They know what the goal, the realistic goal is. And I think if, if Mike Leach is able to do that, then, you know, he could run for mayor in, in, in Starkville and he'd win in a landslide. All right, so I got one more question for you on Mississippi State. You referenced there, and I agree 100%. You never read too much into a spring game, and I'm certainly not trying to do that, but I thought uh, the quarterback from Southern Miss, the transfer, Jack Abraham, looked a lot better. Now, mm -hmm. I have Will Rogers pegged as someone that, is going to be a breakout star in the SEC. He really started to come on towards the end of last season. Do you, did you get any kind of sense that this is a, a true quarterback battle down there, or do you think it's just Will Rogers and, and Jack Abraham's going to be quality depth next season? Well, first off, I completely agree with your premise that Jack Abraham played a better football game. Uh, and you've got to remember, he was a three-year starter at Southern Miss. This is not just some redshirt freshman trying to learn his way this was an established quarterback who played in Conference USA, who did some good things. To be able to get him off the the, the transfer portal, I mean that that is a that is a great get because even if Rodgers wins the job, and I think he will, uh, we know quarterbacks get hurt quite a bit in football, and, and you've got a legitimate backup. Last year, 
when Will Rogers was starting in the second half, if he went down with injury, there were nothing but walk-ons behind him. I mean, the numbers were so thin. So uh, I, I think Abraham will push. I still think Rogers is the guy. This goes back to my, you know, my conversation with you about spring games can often be misleading. Will Rogers didn't have all five of his first team offensive linemen blocking. So if you watch that, he was pressured on a lot of plays. I mean, a lot of plays didn't have a ton of time to throw. Didn't have his full complement of wide receivers had just one of his two running backs. So, I mean, you're basically, this was not like ones versus ones, two versus twos. They split it up a bit to make it a more competitive game, maroon white. Uh, And I thought the, because of that, in some respects, you, you didn't get to see the best of Will Rogers, but I saw enough last year to know the kid can play in this league. I, I watched him last year as a 19-year-old true freshman starter in that offense and looked pretty doggone good in some key games and key moments. So I, I still think he's the guy to beat. Now, how excited are you to return to a normal season, uh, assuming that it is normal? And I mean, I if you just look at all the trends, it certainly seems like we're going to get back to the way college football used to be. And, and how much easier will that make your job? And, and just how excited are you to get back to normal? Beyond belief, Michael. Um, <laughs> last year uh, was the most challenging year uh, from every aspect. And look, no one is going to break out the violins for us mm-hmm. because you're, you're talking about Uh, so many people suffering in the middle of a pandemic. We were just fortunate and thankful to have a season. Um, But as everybody knows, a lot of the games that we broadcasted, we were not there. And when we were there, it was unique circumstances. Um, And, and it wasn't the same environment. You know, I think, I think people really, the, the cold bucket of water on everybody's head in terms of how much we miss full stadiums. When you watch that national championship game, and you see all those empty seats, and you don't hear the the buzz in the air. It it really just kind of hit home, like wow, this is not college football as we know it. And I think this year, uh, I wouldn't dare, you know, make a prediction, but I'm just gonna uh, a guess that we are going to be really close to full capacity at a lot of venues. And uh, I'm I'm hoping like heck that. You know, you'll see uh, as close to normal television as we can possibly get and and have a full season without canceled games and condensed schedules, because uh, I love them all. Uh, you know, I, I even if it's a, a, a mismatch in week 11 and I, I don't care. I love football, period. I don't care what the I'm doing a one double A playoff FCS playoff game this Saturday. You know what? I can't wait to do it because I love football. So I'm learning instead about uh, the Crimson Tide and the Georgia Bulldogs, I'm learning about the Jacksonville State Gamecocks against the Davidson Wildcats. And it's a beautiful thing because it's still 11 on 11. It's a playoff. So whoever wins, there's plenty of stakes there. You you get to advance. Um, that's the great thing. And I, and I and I think we we did the best that we could to get a season on last year, but I, I don't want to see a reduction in games and a reduction in moments and, and uh, you know, more than half empty crowds. I I hope we can get to as close to normal as we can. I think we will. And that pleases me to no end. All right, Mike, I don't like to ask 
you know, these questions that can get you in trouble. You may lose some fans. You may gain some fans. I wanted to ask you, because <laughs> you've been in the SEC so long. Do you have a favorite road trip to where, you know, you get assigned to whatever school it is and you, and you just get so excited, whether it be pregame meal or going out for drinks <laughs> afterwards or anything like that? Do you have a favorite right. road trip in the SEC? You know, it, it's it's really hard to pin it down, and I'm not being evasive when I say this. One of mine used to be Athens, but now I live in Atlanta. I've been in Atlanta now for 10 years, so Athens is always a hop, skip, and a jump away. I, I feel like um been there, done that. It's, it's still great, but that's not a true road trip for me. That's just uh, that, that's a cheap cab ride in a, in a lot of ways. <laughs> um or uber but but you know oxford is always unique um and you mentioned the food i mean the 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 restaurants in the square are fantastic the fans the environment it's just something different uh doing football at texas a&m and i've only had a chance to do it once or twice the the way their fans get after it it's it's phenomenal um uh, i i love nashville so I look forward to Vanderbilt games, even if it's not the best game, because I, I like so many other people now that have caught on Nashville, such a terrific city. So I love going there, but I mean, we could break it down in sports specifics, you know, for football, uh, the, the swamp in Gainesville for basketball, Rupp arena. And now even the Auburn arena uh, has become such a terrific uh, home court advantage for for baseball, you know, there's there's so many good ones in the SEC, but what Mississippi State now has done with Duty Noble Field is second to none. So I I can find, depending on the sport, uh, things that I love about so many of these towns. And so if if you if you take sports out of it, uh, then maybe it's Oxford. But if you take specific sports that I'm there to, to call the game. I trust me. I've been doing this long enough, Michael. I can find a good meal in any one of these cities. I know all the places to go. Uh, I know a, a, where to grab a good, cool one afterward. I, I, I that I already have down pat. Uh, but I still want to have a good environment to call a game while I'm there. All right. Last question for you, Mike. Uh, I know you've worked for you know calling South Carolina games for a long time, so I can only imagine uh, the connections you got there, and of course. You host the J.C. and Morgan podcast with our buddy J.C. Sherbert, who is the insider when it comes to Gamecock athletics. I just want to get your thoughts. What do you think about Shane Beamer hired down there in South Carolina, and do you think he's the right man for the job? I think South Carolina needed an outside-the-box hire. I really do. If you look at the history, the 100-year history, and there's not a whole lot of bright spots in it, yeah, the four-year stretch under Spurrier was the best ever. Guess what? There's no Steve Spurriers out there. The stars were aligned. We're a Hall of Fame coach who wanted to go back in the SEC, uh, who just made $25 million coaching the NFL. And basically, he recruited South Carolina as much as South Carolina recruited him. That's great. Uh, that was a no-brainer. But outside of that, uh, I don't think South Carolina needed to just go with an SEC retread or to go with just kind of the hot uh, group five coaching name of the week. You know, those are always out there. That never changes. They, they, we, we just recycle the storylines every 12 months. I think they needed somebody 
who truly loved and wanted the job and wanted to make a name for themselves at South Carolina. Now, I'm a little bit biased. I knew Shane when he was an assistant there. I've always been a Shane Beamer fan as a person, as a coach. Uh, But you want to talk about a guy who's paid his dues. You look at all the different places he's been, all the different coaches he's worked around and beside, uh, all the different territories he's recruited. He gets it, but most of all, he gets South Carolina. Every job is unique in its own way. The South Carolina job is a unique job. I think Will Muschamp found that on, found that really uh, early on. I, I think Lou Holtz found that out very early. Brad Scott, Sparky. I mean, we can just go go down the list. Um, but but Shane, I I think understands that uniqueness and embraces that uniqueness. And there's no substitute sometimes for a young coach who's hungry and wants to again make a name for himself. Now, no longer as an assistant, but as a head coach. So to me, it's a great fit. I'm not here to predict how it's going to work. I mean, it's not an easy job, A. B, there's not a ton of talent he's inheriting. So it's going to take a couple recruiting cycles, in my mind, to really get to the point uh, that that program wants and needs to be. But I think Shane Beamer could certainly do it. All right, Mike, I know you got to go. So I just want to thank you once again for hopping on the line here and, and dropping so much knowledge. This was outstanding. Thank you very, very much. Michael, certainly enjoy it. Appreciate the work that you do. And again, for you know your audience, all those uh, SEC fans out there, much love for them. They, uh, they make me want to go to work every day. Uh, and it's, it is kind of a family, you know, when you are a, a someone who's an SEC graduate and an, an SEC fan, and uh, you feel like you're part of a very special fraternity. So uh, I feel like we all share that and look forward to broadcasting the next SEC game. It'll be a, a baseball game, I'm sure. I'll have to check my schedule, but I know I've got quite a few of them coming up in late April and in May. All right, so once again, just want to say thanks to Mike Morgan for hopping on the line. I thought that was outstanding. I hope you guys really appreciated that. Mike's a true professional, and he took you know quite a bit of time here to spiel on with me here and talking some SEC football, some Mississippi State football, and you know, some interesting stuff there from Mike. So really appreciate him hopping on the line. Hey, that's going to do it for this one. And I know I've said this many, many a time, but Shane is scheduled to be on the next one. He's got tomorrow off. So he is going to be on the show. We're going to be previewing the spring games this Saturday. We've got Ole Miss, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas A&M, and that's going to wrap up spring football 2021 in the sec so looking forward to that and we've also got a couple of the voicemails to get to we got two i believe at this time maybe more by the time shane and i sit down and record so feel free to reach out to us on the uh the voicemail line which can be found in the show notes there and if you made it this far as always give us that five star written review on the apple podcast app and we'll send you a beer koozie free of charge just for doing that you send that on over to that sec podcast at gmail.com and hey don't forget t-shirts links in the bio that stuff's currently for sale for the rest of the weekend t-shirts as low as 14 dollars. we got all 14 sec teams covered so head on over to t public we'd appreciate that that's a great way to support the podcast but that's going to do it thanks for stopping by catch you on the next one